Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another live interview here in the Montana Learning Community. Uh, the Montana Learning Community is uh, all about learning and growing and developing as leaders for the Lord. Uh, Montano is the Greek word for to learn. And again, our heart for this group is to help us all realize that uh, none of us have arrived yet. There's always areas where we can grow and develop and learn as servants of the Lord and as leaders uh, on behalf of Christ's gospel. So uh, we're here today to have a discussion with Pastor Kerry Schmidt, and glad to have him with us. But we're going to be talking about maybe some things God's been teaching him lately and give you an opportunity to ask some questions, maybe about some things going on in your life, in your ministry, uh, that you're just seeking some counsel and advice about. So uh, let's go ahead and get things started today. we got some folks already jumping in and joining us. And uh, uh, if you're here, welcome. Glad to have you. My name is Brian Reese. And uh, we are going to uh, get started here. Uh, Pastor Schmidt, if you wouldn't mind just briefly introducing yourself uh, to everybody. Most folks probably know who you are, but tell a little bit about you and your family, about Emmanuel Baptist Church, and then introduce us to this new uh, thing in the gospel. Uh, I know the podcast is just kind of getting launched. So tell us a little bit about that and your vision for that. And then we'll kind of get into our main uh, discussion for today. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Carrie Schmidt. I've been married almost 30 years to my wife, Dana. We have three kids, Lance, Larry, and Haley. Lance is on staff with us here at our church. Larry uh, graduated with a business degree, got married, and is working at an insurance company here in Hartford, and he's part of our church. Haley's going to college in the fall. Uh, she'll be starting college, Pensacola Christian College. And uh, we have, have been here in Newington at Emanuel for six years. We were voted in six years ago by 93 yes votes. And, uh, and the, the idea really from the get-go was it was a restoration project. The church has a rich history, 102 years old now, but uh, 30 years of decline and um, neglect in many respects. So the last six years have been just a renewal of gospel focus and gospel ministry here at Emmanuel. Uh, God gave us a broken down building and over the last six years, we've just focused on repairing that and preaching the gospel and reaching people, discipling new believers. Our church now is really thriving in health, and we're just thankful for the people we've seen saved and how they're growing in grace, and it's been real exciting. Um, so we're grateful for, for that and all to the glory and credit of God and really the power of the gospel. Yeah. Um, the, the In the gospel really was born out of, out of one primary thing. When I when I came out of our cancer, my cancer battle, and, and then God moved us to Connecticut, I he, he put two burdens on my heart. One was to see Emmanuel restored to health and sustainable health, you know, really long-term health. And I'm willing to spend the rest of my life to see that materialize. Um, and, and then secondly, as that began to materialize, I said to my wife, if God gives me time, I'd like to take the 28, 29, almost 30 year ministry journey that we've experienced up to this point and pour into another generation of leaders as much as I can. And there's no presumption there. I don't pretend to have all the answers or to be a guru of any kind. I think every man needs a lot of influences and counselors, but I, I hate to have, have a 30 year journey and not try to turn around and mentor and develop and and encourage others coming behind me. And so uh, that's really what in the gospel is born out of. I didn't know what that would look like. Uh, 
Um, but but my idea was first the leadership podcast leading in the gospel. Secondly, um, some online content in terms of video and, and materials. And I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. Some people think I'm, you know, like strategizing all this and I'm just <laughs> life, to be honest with you, one day and one week and one month at a time. But then the third component, we want to do some mentoring, encouraging events for pastors. And uh, I don't imagine that being a conference. I don't imagine that having any significant agenda other than just mentoring and encouraging and kind of just uh, taking guys that feel displaced and discouraged and just just trying to, to bolster them a little bit and encourage them to stay at it. So I don't know. We just started in the gospel. It's Right now, it's really a podcast, nothing else. But we'd like to see that change and develop over the next couple of years, especially. Yeah. And that's exciting. And, and and I know there's a lot of guys that have expressed their excitement and enjoyment of the first kind of preview episode. Uh, but I tell you, I'm just uh, I'm encouraged already to see this emphasis uh, being pushed for a gospel centered ministry. And, uh, you know, I think even even as pastors, even as spiritual leaders, we can really feel the pressure sometimes to lead from a place of performance based uh, place of ministry and and set unrealistic expectations for, for ourselves. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, you hear all the time about how we in ministry feel like we exist inside a glass house when we're so afraid uh, of things and just uh, to really understand, uh, you know, our identity and the gospel and we're serving from that place. I, I'm looking forward to uh, the refreshing content coming from that. Just to, just to, just to focus. And I've also just appreciated the fact that that you and, and you just expressing your heart in that that you you kind of uh, to me have been a a person who uh, who has tried even even though you've got a full plate of ministry yourself to always be available and accessible to guys uh, who who are working through a ministry and and especially among independent Baptists who are who are trying to figure out what kind of leader they're going to be and mm-hmm. and to 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 see that and and I know I know you're you're a, you're, you're, you really um, exude humility and, and maybe uh, uh, that's something that guys that we just were drawn to is we see that humility and you know, you don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all together, but we think you do. And, and we look at that and we say, I know, I know, (laughs) but we look at that and we say, man, I'm thankful for a guy uh, like Kerry Schmidt to kind of set an example like that and be available like that to help us. So we're grateful. And want to just kind of explain real quick to those that are watching. Uh, I've seen a few guys come. There's there's a handful here and many will watch after, I'm sure. But uh, to those that are watching, uh, the goal of these uh, learning experiences are to be interactive. If you've got comments, if you've got questions, I want to encourage you to type them in and we're going to acknowledge as many of them as possible. So uh, just comment away. And actually, if I can, I'd like to uh, throw into the... Um, the comments. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put a link if I can. I gotta figure out how to do it. But uh, throw a link in there. You can join us in the video if you'd like to. Uh, then uh, that and that way you can ask your question yourself or feel free to just type it. I'm gonna try to get that link in there maybe as we start talking. But uh, I just want to bring you in. Just to, I know you know life and ministry in different seasons is always changing and developing and 
And maybe there's some things that you can help us understand, things that God's been teaching you lately about ministry and even just life as a minister of the gospel. Uh, maybe you've jotted a few things down. We talked a little bit in advance, but uh, what are some things God's been teaching you lately that uh, that you think might be a help for us and that, that, that have been a help to you? So uh, let's get that conversation started. You're just going to have to listen to leading in the gospel. I mean, I'll yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, that that's just such a full question. It's like, where do you begin yeah. to try to unpack what God I understand? <laughs> I would say the last six years, I've been on a journey that's just been a really deep work of God reorientating me to the gospel. And, you know, we talk about God being gospel centered. Um, to me, whether you call it grace based or gospel centered or Jesus centered or biblical. Um, Those things are synonymous. You know, Uh, they speak to a kind of saturation of heart that flows into a philosophy of ministry uh, that is neither performance driven nor debt debt driven. And to understand that and unpack that, you will have to listen to the first episode of Leading in the Gospel because we talk about motivations. But I think a large part of my life I I had mixed motives, and um, I don't even know that I would have had the, the the knowledge or the wisdom to even untangle it all. I knew that there was a large part of my heart that was serving in love for Jesus, but I also was, from external factors, usually, whether it was environments or people or, you know, pushed into other motivations, and coming to Emmanuel um, and and being thrust into a situation that was so far beyond me in, in, in scope, you know, of need, the financial losses, the church was taking the rapid decline of everything spiritually, the rapid decline of the building. I mean, water literally running into the lobby, every all over the building leaks and problems. And it, it just was crippling to my psyche. It's like, I don't even, I am nothing to this. What? How do I even begin? You know, and God just said, "Preach the gospel," you know, and grow in the gospel yourself. And I really spent the last six years just getting out of the way of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, the the overarching lesson has been the power of the gospel is enough, and all of the work of God that has grown out of that has been staggering to see. Uh, and to know it's not me, it is God, and it is his his story, the gospel, his good news. And um, I think I'm going to share two more things I've been learning, That one that kind of ties into that, and that is that the gospel means good news, right? And so yeah. fundamentally, foundationally, our approach to the Christian life, our approach to the message of the Bible should be good news. Um, but how many guys, how many churches, how many cultures do we know that are just flat and negative all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm teaching through Ephesians right now, and it's it's put off and put on, and it's a lot of behavioral stuff there in chapters yeah, four yeah. and five and six. And I say to the church family, God's commands and instructions, even his warnings, they're never negative. They're always po- positively motivated by a heart of love. Um, they're what's best for us. So to me, the whole Bible is good news. Even when there's bad news, it's only to get to the better good news, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when you allow your heart 
and your life and your ministry to be characterized by good news, I think that just changes the whole the whole picture, just changes the whole culture, and your church can become a place where people actually want to be. And then I'll thirdly to put a cap on the the question because I can go on for a long time, but um, just personally, God's showing me how short life is. And my last child is going to college this summer, and um, he's reminding me that life is really about relationships, loving people. And that's to speak to, you know, you talking about me being available and all that, Brian, I, I love to do that. I love to develop leaders. I love to encourage other leaders. Uh, and I know how meaningful it is to me when someone does that. And I, I, I reach out to guys ahead of me and beg them to invest into my life. So when a, a younger man wants me to do that, I consider it a compliment and I really uh, cherish that opportunity. Yeah. Going back to hit on some of those points of what God's teaching you, I'm thinking like about at, at Emmanuel in your church setting, have you had to have any personal conversations behind the scenes of people who have struggled to wrap their mind around uh, the gospel applying broadly across the Christian life after salvation. I mean, have there been people who struggled to make that connection with, yeah, the gospel, I understand its importance. I understand its daily importance, but when do spiritual disciplines and, and Bible reading and prayer and things like that, all those things are vital, but it's, you know, it's effort. Have pe- people struggled to wrap their mind around that and how those personal conversations gone? Cause I can imagine guys having to face some of those personal conversations, that guy coming to him and say, I need to talk to you about something you said in that sermon. And, and yeah. so uh, help the guys like that and, and uh, yeah. help, help, help us with that. So yeah. Uh, number one, me, <laughs> I'm the first person that struggled with that. <laughs> I mean, six years ago when, when I started understanding, trying to understand this concept, it was mind boggling because I really, uh, much of my Christian journey has been, you know, gospel is how you get saved. Uh, now get to work, you know, and um, the gospel was the front door of the Christian life. Now I see the gospel as the, the, the ocean I swim in, you know, it's, it's what drives everything and Bible reading and prayer and Christian disciplines are, are my, uh, efforts to immerse myself into the gospel, you know? Um, so I would say it, for me, it's been every, every day, every minute of a six year journey. Um, and it has become a, a, basically a new vocabulary for my understanding of how Christianity works and how, uh, church ministry should, should work. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't changed my theology, I think it's just that God's allowed me. Okay, let me say it this way. The gospel is God's good news, and it's God's story. And I would say, uh, I've told our guys here, you know, you can go at the Bible a number of different ways. Um, I think primarily in, 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 I don't know, several decades of my Christian life, it was primarily viewed like a system of theology. Christianity, mm-hmm. system of theology. And that causes you to kind of cut the Bible up into pieces. And so you, you, you know everything about the Holy Spirit. You know everything about, you can put all the ology words together, homardiology and soteriology and Christology and, you know, eschatology and ecclesiology. So you, you've taken the Bible and you've sliced it and diced it to its components that are like each other. And so, and you need this, by the way, you, 
you, you understand now how God defines all these things. And you've created a systematic theology from the word of God. The word of God is profitable for doctrine. Okay, so it's good. My son, I give you good doctrine. I think what was deficient in my understanding was the story, um, the, the historical redemptive story that start to finish Genesis to Revelation is creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and that there is a narrative that ties it all together. And I think I knew this in my head, but I don't think I allowed the story to really capture my heart. And the way I explained it to our guys on our team, I said, guys, if you only go at the Bible like like a system of theology, it's like taking your car apart and laying it all over your garage floor. You know all about the parts, but it can't take you anywhere. Yeah. Um, but if you if you assemble it, you can take a journey, you know, or your house. If you take your house apart, you can understand all of its parts, but you can't live in it. Um, the story of God's love given through the gospel and through the narrative of scripture ultimately pointing to Jesus in every part is what wins the heart. You know, we love him because he first loved us. And so I think in the last six years, my heart has just more deeply and more overwhelmingly fallen in love with Jesus. Um, And so I'm a big proponent of systematic theology. Okay. I spent the last year finishing a theology degree, but I'm also an equally big proponent of the story and I think that's what stirs the heart and motivates and and drives us in our Christian life is seeing the love of God in the story that he's written and the fact that he brings us into that story. So to the guys that are struggling with the concept, yeah, welcome to the club. I would just say get on that road and keep walking on it and keep reading everything you can because with every passing month of my journey, it's uh, opened my eyes even more to the magnitude of the gospel. And it's it's life-changing. Is there a book or two like recommendation where guys could get started diving into something? I mean, we're not going to judge your recommendations. We're just, you know, <laughs> I don't even understand. Okay. You judge my recommendations. Um, my favorite author right now, I have two, um, Tim Keller and I'm not a covenant theologian sure. and I'm not a Calvinist. And he was, a, he's a, if he's a Calvinist, he's a soft one, but, um, <laughs> and I have a couple of real, real axes to grind with him. He gives too much, ground up on creation and a couple of things like that. But when it comes to the gospel, uh, there's nobody better. And I would say uh, probably the most important book he's written or that I've read in a long time is Prodigal God. Uh, and it's, you'll never look at the prodigal story the same way. You'll never look at the gospel the same way. Yeah. And it's a short book. It's a profound short book. I think it's going to be a Christian classic. Yeah. Uh, another one of my favorite authors is David Wells. Um, and he has written much, but my favorite book that he's written is God in the Whirlwind. And the subtitle of that book is um, How the Holy Love of God Reorientates Our World. And he basically gives a theological framework out of which all of our ministry philosophy can flow. And it was a very, very helpful book to me uh, four years ago, so much so that he lives an hour and a half from me and yeah, kind of become friends. I've just, I love hanging out and talking to him when I get a chance. And if you can get your hands on that book, you'll love it. I'll tell you one other book I'd mention is, um, it's just called the gospel by JD Greer. And that was a real good okay. one. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Uh, and I did have an, a question come in. Let's see. I'm going to show it. One thing about these Be Live, which is what, what we use, uh, is Facebook has changed some of its privacy policies. And uh, and so you won't be able to see their name, but I've, I've, I, I can see them on my phone. So I'm going to share one of these questions. Sure. And this is from Joshua Broussard. And Joshua Broussard um, asked this question, what are some of the steps you've taken or are taking to promote that spiritual health and revitalization in your ministry? I see a great need for spiritual renewal and health in our ministry. Just looking for some changes we can make to begin the process. Thank you, Brother Kerry, for your ministry and your influence. Um, so Joshua Broussard. Okay, that's a who's that from, by the way? Josh Broussard. He pastors in in uh, Virginia. Okay, thanks, Josh, and love to connect with you somehow. Um, that's a really great question, and it's a it's a it's a big question. So let me point you a couple different directions. First of all, I would say the change has to materialize inside of you, and then kind of overflow. Um, and I think that's really what authentic ministry is anyway. I mean, I think if, if we stop doing that, then we just become hirelings and we're just doing a gig, you know, we're doing our jobs. I can't stand in the pulpit if, if, if it's not really out overflow of my walk with the Lord. Um, so the spiritual renewal, renewal at Emmanuel was preceded and kind of in tandem with a spiritual renewal unfolding in my heart. And um, our church family, I think, was seeing that I was reaching people and discipling them. And I was leading by example, not simply to get them to follow that example, but because this is the life I want to live. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't a performance, look at me, now do do it because I'm doing it. It was, Hey, with or without you, this is what I'm going to do. And it, it did start to shift the culture of the church. Um, and, and one thing that pastor chapel really mentored me well in was the follow-up of guests and, 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 and new believers in the church. Uh, I came in with a, with a steadfast commitment that if somebody visited our church, I was going after them to share the gospel, to follow up on baptism. Yeah. The church family started to catch that. Uh, the second thing I want to direct Josh to, I wrote a blog post. I think it's the most recent one, um, and it's called What Changed at Emmanuel Over the Last Six Years. And it's it's fairly long, but uh, it, it identifies, I want to say, four or five or six key components that um, were reshaped in the first few years that I, I actually kind of sourced a crowdsourced that out to a few people in our church. We all conferred and agreed. These were the top four or six things that changed that facilitated that spiritual renewal. Yeah. I'd encourage him to turn to that article. Yeah. We'll share that too. Uh, in the link. Uh, one thing I was wondering, you know, you got a lot of guys that seem to, to reach out to you, as you mentioned, you know, what would you say are kind of the common things guys are dealing with? And what, what's the one one or two things that, that that you just get asked all the time? And then tell us kind of what what you say. So uh, give us give us some insight. And and because I think uh, whatever those guys questions are, they probably represent a lot of guys uh, that are out there. And maybe there's something you can you can share that you've shared with them. I get asked all the time, um, where do I fit in? And I'm asking that all the time, too. Yeah. In fact, I. I had a conversation with David Wells 
uh, some months ago. And I said the same thing to him. I said, Dr. Wells, I feel totally displaced. I don't feel like I fit in anywhere. And he laughed at me and he said, he's 83, I think. He said, Carrie, I hear that every week of my life. <laughs> and that's a man that is, you know, in touch with much broader world of evangelicalism. And I mean, I just, I kind of thought it was ironic that he was hearing that, you know, I, I'm hearing it in my little narrow world, you know. Um, so I say to those guys, listen, hang on to Jesus and, and your, your pure doctrine, your theology. And trust me, there are, uh, there are more guys asking that question than you know. And the key is to find them and get to know them and build well, like you and I, Brian, you know, yeah. we know each other because we were kind of both asking those questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So go ahead. You were going to comment on that. I was just going to say, you know, that's a, I think that is a big issue. Where do I fit? Where do I belong? How do I find people to connect with? And I think that's been one of the biggest blessings of social media, uh, you know, is for guys like, like me, I know to find people uh, who, who you can just, and you can get a sense, you follow somebody for a little while and you see the questions they're asking and you can get a sense. I bet, I bet there's some commonalities we have. And, and I'm not saying you only get around people who are the same as you. There's benefit to being around people that are, that are different and, and that think differently than you do. But I think that's been social media. One of the biggest benefits of it is connecting with people and, and finding ways to, to find people because, because you're not always going to have that geographically, but to find people who are other places, you right. know, and we had the privilege of traveling, you know, and being in churches and experiencing healthy churches all over the country. Right. And then, you know, here we are starting a church here now and we're like, man, we've, we desire to have that gospel focus. We desire to have that health and vitality that comes with right emphases. And, and, uh, and obviously from being a man of God that walks with God and, and things like that, I, I've seen it, you know, firsthand. And I want to see that happen, right. you know, here where we're at. And I think, uh, you know, not everybody gets to travel like that, but, but you can connect with people through social media and, 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 and say, you know, Hey, I'd be willing to drive an hour and a half to where you are or, or a couple hours to grab lunch and, Right. And connect with you and get to know you. So, um, so is there anything else that when people call you that that they're trying to figure out and and you 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 share some thoughts with them? That one, and then I get asked all the time. You know, the the question that the man asked a minute ago about the journey of Emmanuel and and uh, what how did that unfold and what you know, I think people are curious about how to bring about spiritual restoration in in aged or. Uh, you know, plateauing or declining churches. Um, so that's a conversation I have very often. It's it's hard to have that conversation briefly, though, because yeah. um, there's so many moving pieces and components to it. I think the essence of it is preaching the gospel and giving your heart and life to people uh, sacrificially, and then everything kind of grows out of that. Uh, all All the strategies and the the surface things from serving coffee to what song you sang on a Sunday morning. Those are all secondary, you know, issues. When yeah, I got yeah. here, we, we didn't have a good sound system. We didn't have a good music ministry. We didn't have any money. Uh, all we had was the gospel and a heart of love for people. And everything grew out of those two things, you know, yeah. So yeah. a lot of those conversations. And I, I talked to a lot of guys that are just, um, looking for a non-judgmental advisor you know in other words they 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 want to think outside of the box they don't want to cross any biblical lines but they 
they, like I said in the first episode of the podcast, the preview episode, they're married to the to the gospel, but they're not married to the methods. Um, if they yeah. die for the gospel and the doctrine, they wouldn't die for somebody's model, you know. But a lot of times, because they don't align in terms of the model, they're rejected, and then they they're left in no man's land. Going well, now who do I? who am I and where do I fit in and who's my group and should I become this or that, you know, and, and it, it's, it's a, it's perilous waters to be swimming in, you know, because every group you join, you, you just adopted a whole new set of political problems yeah. and maybe <laughs> theological ones, you know, so it's a, it's a lonely thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring in another viewer question. Um, this is uh, Jonathan Redford. He's down at New Life Baptist in Largo, Florida. Uh, but his question is, when you decide to preach a new sermon series, what are some of the factors you use to determine what that will be? Do you preach different series with each different service, Sunday a.m., p.m., etc.? cetera? So uh, how do you decide what to preach and, and, uh, and stuff like that? Man, that's, that is one of my uh, hardest decisions because I'm a little ADD. I've got 50 <laughs> I want to preach now, you know, um, <clears throat> and I would tell you, it's great that he's asking the question. My answer is going to work for me. And I would say my answer probably won't work for him. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I've seen 10 or 15 different models of this. They all work for the guys that are doing them. Um, and the most important thing I could say to him is uh, really follow the Lord in your specific situation. In my situation, I bounce back and forth between um, a an expository book study and a, maybe a thematic topical study. Um, I spent two years on Sunday morning going through Luke. I loved it, you know, because I didn't have to decide for two years what my Sunday morning series was yeah. <laughs> going through the life of Jesus. Our church family loved it. There was great response. Um, this year I took the book of Acts. I broke it into four chunks and I, I'm doing four series through the book of Acts, but I kind of sub themed it. Um, that's been my favorite approach so far because it keeps me in the text flow, but it breaks up the sermon, uh, the, 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 uh, series themes, I think, which helps the attention span of the church family. Um, but I have some great friends that, that break their sermon series every five to eight weeks. Um, and that works really well for them. I might end up going for that model, but I primarily, I keep a log of everything I would like to someday preach. And uh, I'm praying about the next two or three. Uh, I've good, got good friends that make like a 12 month plan and they just lock it in. I've tried that, but by about August, I, I usually blow it up and, get off track, you know? So I make a plan, but it's loose and I follow the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, that again, I wish I had a better answer, but that's one that I struggle with too. Yeah. That's one thing that I've been thinking about. There's another viewer question I'll share here in a moment, but, um, you know, I remember hearing you share a few interactions. You had some great advice that you were given about, thinking about the opinions of other ministers in the area, uh, you know, what they think about you and what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, I know there was a man, older man, I think up there that gave you great advice. And, and there's a, I've heard you reference that a few times, but uh, 
But I'm thinking too, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to have a healthy, balanced ministry that's a gospel centered and grace based and driven that uh, those are kind of some terms that you guys use. But they're trying to have a ministry like that. You know, what advice would you give them for how to interact relationally with other pastors in the area? And uh, and, and you know, there is something about that focus of ministry that draws people uh, that even may attend some of these other churches. You know, if you have those folks show up because they're drawn to a church where God is moving, where God is saving people and people are being discipled and the emphasis uh, is 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 good and healthy. People are going to come. Uh, What advice would you give them on how to deal with those situations, how to interact with other pastors, you know, in their area uh, as they strive to have a a healthy church? There's not a good answer to this question. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) First of all, I, I came here to reach lost people and Amen, I had yeah. no knowledge of what churches were within 30 minutes of me and uh, no desire to pull anybody from those churches. Not, right. not any. I've never, never one time knowingly followed up on any of anybody that's visiting from another Bible believing church. Never pursue them. If I know, if we know, you know, we don't send them letters and give them deliveries and, and make visits on them. Uh, there have been a, a few times where we didn't know, and we went to share the gospel and found out, oh, they go to that church or whatever, and then we immediately pull back. So my first philosophy is I don't follow up on those people. In fact, I, I don't even really talk to them. I mean, I just like almost just give them space, and if they come two, three weeks, then I'll step over and I'll say, listen, I'm not ignoring you on purpose. I just respect your church, your pastor. Um if, if you continue coming and at some point you want to meet or talk to me, let me know. But otherwise, uh, you, you seek the Lord. You know, so I'm trying to be respectful there. <clears throat> um, if they have stayed and they want to end up joining, I do want to make sure they leave on good terms. Sometimes that wasn't possible, uh, though it was every effort was made. Um, and then there have been times I've tried to call the pastor and say, Hey, these folks are coming and I just want you to know how I approached it. Sometimes that was very well received. There's one or two men in our area that have we've, it's gone both ways. We've had folks go to their church. They've had folks come to ours and we're like great friends and we have no issues. And, and a phone call is, you know, Hey, great. I'm glad. I'm glad they're still in church was kind of the, the, the idea. There've been some men that won't even return my call. They don't acknowledge my existence. Uh, One or two times, uh, it backfired big time. Mm. Those men hung up the phone and immediately slandered me, and uh, it it went very badly. So I don't know the best response. I just know I'm trying to keep a clear conscience towards them and with God. And either way, I'm going to be at peace with them no matter how they respond. There are men in our area that are my friends and men that choose not to be. I love them all, and I'm not any I'm not the enemy of any of them. I wish them all the very best, uh, but to some of them, I, I I think I'm I'm a I'm 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 and I don't know that some of them just really don't like me. <laughs> yeah, and how have you personally handled that? Like I know there's as much as you you want to feel like it's just water off a duck's back. You know, it does affect you, and I know I I would feel affected. You know, how have you handled that personally when? Either people are upset with you because even unfoundedly, 
or or you know people slap a label on you that you you've compromised or you've gone liberal or whatever how do you how have you handled that personally you know emotionally and how do you how do you press forward well first you get depressed <laughs> and then you uh, chew on it and then you um, you know you, you you mope a little bit you feel unfairly or unjustly slandered or maligned and you're kind of in your mind going, man, all I'm trying to do is reach people with the gospel. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do I make these people happy? You kind of sit in that for a while. And then the Holy Spirit somewhere in there reminds you um, that that you're not here to make them happy and you don't have to justify yourself to them. Somewhere in there, your gospel identity rises to the surface. Yeah. And this, I think this is one of God's great tools to strengthen your identity in the gospel and in Christ. Uh, be, when you can literally serve joyfully and let these things just roll past you, you know, I had a phone call from a guy, new pastor, not far away and, and younger man. And he said, could I come up and spend some time with you? I said, sure. I'll give you all the time you want. <clears throat> Came up and spent the morning. And he said to me, either on the phone or in person, he goes, yeah, I've heard a lot of negative things about you. <laughs> I went in my mind, I'm like, oh, I don't need to know that. You know? <laughs> then your mind's like, well, what did he hear? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Just don't me. tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I knew that there's stuff out there, but I'd rather not know specifically. And frankly, I don't care. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I came to Connecticut, I didn't know anybody in Connecticut. Um, I came to reach people and see God bless Emmanuel. And um, I, 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 I've lost a lot of friends along the way and it's really heartbreaking. I mean, some longtime relationships that are dramatically different now. Yeah. If I dwell on it, it really is discouraging, but then I just turn around and I look at our church family and, and I see what God's given me to cultivate here. And that's where my heart really is. So I, I kind of mourn the loss of the relationship. You know what I mourn, Brian? I mourn the pointless loss of mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. Like, there's no yeah. reason yeah. that relationships should be lost. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing I can do to recover them. Uh, so it's heartbreaking, you know, but I just have to keep turning around and looking forward and yeah. doing what God's given me to do. Yeah, I agree. Good points. Got another one. Okay. Uh, if I'm going to ask this question, everybody that's out there viewing, if you have any other questions or comments, go ahead and put them in because uh, we'll be wrapping this up pretty quickly. But if you if you got something you've been just waiting to ask, go ahead and type it in. But I'm going to go ahead and ask. This is Josh Cox. Uh, Josh is uh, at Keystone. Uh, Hi, Josh. Keystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, Durham. But uh, anyway, he's asking, he asked this question, what would you say to your 35 year old self? And in parentheses, merely five years ago, I assume, dot, dot, dot. So uh, what would you say to your 35 year old self is Josh's question. Now, what I want to know is, what he, does he want to know what I'd say to my 35 year old self or to 35 year old Josh? Yeah. <laughs> he, he says yourself, but you know, I can think of a lot of stuff I want to say to 35 year old Josh. <laughs> oh, my 35 year old self. I would say, um, grow in grow in the gospel and in gospel shaped motivations. I would say you're working way too much, um, and you're going to make yourself sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Um, and if you in t insist on working that much, you, you might want to eat better because you're going to need strength when you fight cancer. Um, yeah. So, I mean, good night. I could write a book on, on the answer to this question. I think I would. Uh, honestly, there's a whole lot at 35 that I wouldn't undo, to be honest with you. Um, a, lot, a lot of opportunities and a lot of sweet spots in life and our family and marriage that were cherished. So uh, it's not all bad, but I would probably say, slow down, catch your breath. Your kids are going to grow up fast. Um, you don't have to run so fast to keep everybody around you happy. Um, and, and you don't have to drive yourself to perform um, so, so aggressively. You know, I was, I was driven on some levels by love of Christ and on some levels by performance motivators and other things, you know? So, yeah. 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 And that time of parenting is drawing to a, a, a close as far as in your living in your home and going off to college and things like that. I know, um, you know, you've kind of slowed your schedule down a little bit this senior year for, for Haley, as you, as you've mentioned, how are you preparing for empty nest syndrome uh really it's it's i don't know you guys probably have the, the grandbabies at the house all the time but and we've got <laughs> babies and a third one on the way yeah um, i'm really looking just re i'm reshaping a lot in my life right now in terms of schedule i want to scale back on speaking at individual events and i really want to do more uh leadership development pastor encourage encouraging pastors and uh i'm to do that, I'm teaching also for Veritas with Kurt Skelly. Yeah. So to 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 fit in some of these opportunities to influence more leaders, I probably need to 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 change the schedule a little bit. But I'm going forward. I'm focused on loving my family, loving and sustaining a healthy church family, and and ministry of advancing the gospel. Um. And I really want to help develop other leaders. And if God gives me five years or 25 years, those are the three things I really want to pour my life into. Yeah. I appreciated having you on. And uh, there's a few more comments coming in, but we're going to close with a word of prayer and uh, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. So I uh, appreciate your time and uh, appreciate your investment into our lives. And uh, let's let's close in prayer. Sure. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much for the privilege it is of knowing you as our Savior. And Father, the, the loving leadership you provide as our Lord. And Father, I pray that we've learned and grown and developed today uh, on the uh, the subject of just developing as a gospel-centered uh, ministry leader, uh, just the, the thoughts on investing our time and life into our families, uh, just how to respond when criticism or or, or uh, accusations come about our direction or our lean and uh, so much good advice and counsel. And I pray, Lord, that we've grown and developed from it. I pray that you continue to help us to dive into uh, who we are and our, identity, and, and our identity of the gospel more than anything. Lord, we love you. Pray that you bless the ministries all represented here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. It's been enjoyable. We'll, we'll see you all next time. All right. Hey, man, have a great day. You too.